Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the inaugural show, 2016 DraftSite.com podcast. I'm DJ Boyer, and I'm here by myself this evening. In some upcoming weeks, I'm sure we will have some guest appearances by people such as Zach Gutierrez, Jared Belson, people of that nature, supreme football knowledge, yada, yada, yada. Before we start, a couple things we want to get out of the way. First off, things that have happened since our last show or since we last left you before the draft or right around draft time when we had our draft wrap-up show. One, Jared Belson. Dun, 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 dun. He's married, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I guess I should say ladies. Now, we always did carry, or I would say, count on Jared bringing the female continue to the show, but I'm sorry, ladies, but uh, Jared is a taken man now. We'll have to find some other kind of beefcake or someone to kind of boost the ratings there. Um, but congratulations to uh, Jared and Jen. They are now married. Jared is entering into, I would say, one of the last phases of adulthood. Yay, adulting. Good for you, Jared. He's a happy man. Um, everyone here at Draft.com, DraftSite.com, which is in the best. Second order of business before we get down to uh, starting. Special birthday shout-out I want to give out there. Um, little girl who's special. Um to me here is uh, was kind of waiting by waiting by the radio and waiting to hear a happy birthday from a central Pennsylvania radio station. Unfortunately, they dropped the ball. Boo! Boo! Not going to mention any names. Wink 104. Not going to mention any names for those who are in central Pennsylvania. But hey, fear not. Well, we have a farther reach than anyone in central Pennsylvania. We're on the World Wide Web. Anyone can log in. Uh, people from China could be hearing this. Belize, Madagascar, if they get internet there, I'm not quite sure. But not to mention, we're available on iTunes, and you can come in and look at all of last season's shows if you'd like. But Julia Deerwecker, 10 years old today. I, DJ Boyer, and others here at RefSite.com want to say happy birthday. You are a double-digit midget as of today, 10 years old. Wanted to get that out of the way. Happy birthday, young lady. Let's get down and dirty, everyone. We're going to focus solely on the college football uh, week one. We're going to have a pro show coming up, but, of course, kickoff is going to be this week. We haven't had that opening kickoff yet. So we're going to concentrate on what was an enormously successful college football weekend, one of the best weekends we have seen. I'm going to say it was the best opening weekend I may have ever seen. The amount of matchups that the NCAA had pitted against one another uh, with, with top teams going against one another, teams that had some sort of rivalry or maybe had met in recent years, um, kind of across conferences, power conferences, offering some of their best to, to go against one another. There was just a bevy, a plethora, a ginormous amount of matchups to choose from. If you turned on your television, no matter what night it was, and you did not find yourself satisfied with the college football selections, that were available to you, you, sir or ma'am, are dead. Because there was just a ton of action, all kinds of things to 
um, to be seen. Alabama, of course, and their, their matchup with USC, we got to see culminated with Florida State and Ole Miss, a better game that was actually on Monday night. One of the reasons why the Fierce 40 came out a little bit late this week. You know, Georgia, UNC, Tennessee with an up-and-coming Appalachian State team. There were so many good games. And we're going to go right into the Fierce 40, which was released this week, go into our latest poll. We're going to talk a little bit about each team and uh, who's kind of making some noise, who's going up, who's going down, what we kind of see. Reach into the mailbag a little bit as well. And, of course, today we also had our Heisman Trophy. We had our preseason rankings week one. Yeah, we've updated already. And, again, I do want to make a special notation before we get this very first uh, week of our Fierce 40 where we're actually going to do some banter and provide commentary. you got to remember, our Fierce 40 is out about oh, a month before the AP poll. Not to mention uh, every week we do our updates before the AP coaches poll. Not saying that uh, we're better, but we're not uh, not copying any of their information, relying on them. We're out before they are. Same thing us, we rock. Anyway, the Alabama Crimson Tide, the defending national champions, they started the week at number three, and guess what? They're back right where they belong. Familiar territory. And for our Spanish friends out there, uno, that means one. That's where Alabama is this week. After a 52-6 to absolute, I don't know if thrashing actually does it justice. It was whew, about as ugly as it could have gotten. If you were a USC fan, you might still be wearing the paper bag in your head. Maybe not have taken it off yet. Wow. Juju's uh, Schuster-Smith, uh, he's a guy who's going to be possibly the top wide receiver in this draft if he makes himself eligible. And he is a draft-eligible junior. One catch, nine yards. That says it all. Uh, USC was definitely out of sync. And it doesn't matter who's quarterbacking for Alabama. Jalen Hurts actually probably took more snaps than any of the three quarterbacks that were out there. We look at him as a long-term solution, uh, but he is the freshman of the bunch. And you know what? It really doesn't matter. As we, we alluded to in our first 40 write-up, Alabama has just got so many defensive line prospects. It's just unreal. I did see a show recently where they had rated Alabama as not only having the best defensive line in the SEC, but in the country. They then asked them, who is the second best line in the SEC? The response the backup defensive line for Alabama. They're that good. Uh, The backups on this team could start for 90% of the colleges out there. And, again, they're probably an all-pro team in some conferences, and they're backups. They just rotate through their personnel, and it's just unreal. Jonathan Allen, the one guy who stayed behind, probably looking at a late first-round grade, early second-round grade, hadn't declared himself eligible last year, stays in school. What does he do? Well, first off, he makes a – says that he's uh, actually going to get 30 sacks on the year, which uh, he's pretty close to. Because if Alabama in games, guess what? He's already got two. Jonathan Allen on the board for two, four tackles. Maybe he's making an appearance in our Heisman Trophy list. Hmm, that's what we call foreshadowing in the business. But Jonathan Allen just led the charge there, and the defense was relentless, 52-6. to six. Alabama opens. They move from number three to number one. The team that was number one, the Clemson Tigers, they still won kind of a squeaker against that Alabama nemesis, Auburn. 19-13, to 13, not the greatest game in the world for Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, a guy who many people are saying is the, the best quarterback at the college football level. I wouldn't say a shoe-in for the Heisman. Maybe him and Leonard Fournette are 
I would say probably about a 75% chance one of those two are actually winning it going into the season, if you were to poll people. Maybe Christian McCaffrey. You throw him in that. Uh, you're going to throw him in that discussion as well. Not the greatest games. One, one touchdown, one interception. Ran the ball effectively, but again, uh, you know, Mike Williams, good to have him back after the broken neck that he had suffered last year. And kind of freak goalpost injury. Did make a difference for Clemson. A solid win. It's a solid opponent. Can't hang your head in shame. Beating an Auburn squad that is good. Started uh, the year number 39 in our first 40 poll, and maybe they're a little bit better than that. Um, 19-13 win, but Clemson did not look like a number one team. We dropped them from number one to number two in our rankings. Florida State, wow. A tale of two halves. With about a minute to go in the first half, Florida State is trailing Ole Miss 28-6. Florida State entering this game number four, Ole Miss number five in our poll. Florida State scores before halftime. They're down 28-13. Third quarter, 30 plays, 200, about 220 yards, 23 points. Ten plays, minus seven yards, two turnovers for Ole Miss. That says it all right there. Was it the Jamin Swinston halftime speech? We'll never know. But uh, he was there. We saw him on the sideline. He did deliver a speech to the team. Well, we'll chalk it up to Jameis. Maybe he is that leader because, boy, did they respond. They just took it to Ole Miss. Wow. Also, Ken Webster, the uh, cornerback for Ole Miss, looks like a draft prospect, probably a middle-tier guy, suffered. If you're squeamish, don't watch that on YouTube. Um, Legs aren't supposed to go that way. Um, I even have problems making Play-Doh kind of move in the directions that his leg moved on to the particular play where he was injured very early in the game. Sad to see. We wish him a speedy recovery. But Florida State moves from number four to number three after their 45-34 win over Ole Miss. Ohio State goes from number six to number four, 77 to 10. Yeah, I said 77. You're right. Over Bowling Green. Early pick six for JT Barrett. He responds with Six touchdowns through the air, one on the ground afterwards. So that uh, matchup was over rather early. Number five, one of those intriguing matchups. Actually, it was the matchup that I was looking forward to probably more than any heading in. You have the Houston Cougars. Remember, Houston only won loss last year, and they won their bowl game against that team that I just talked about at number three, Florida State. They beat them in the bowl game last year. Only one loss, and it was the one game that Greg Ward Jr. did not start. What do they do? They have to play number two, Oklahoma. They take care of business. Uh, 30, 33-23, Houston gets the win. Not only do they get the win, Greg Ward, you know, he's a guy that had 1,100 rushing yards last year, I believe 21 rushing touchdowns, not to mention, you know, his prowess throwing the football. I've said this guy is an NFL player. He's a running back playing at a quarterback position at the NCAA level. The the Sooners basically just dared him, throw the ball, beat us through the air. You can't do it. We're going to take the running running lanes away from Mr. Ward. Guess what? It's exactly what he did. He threw for over 300 yards. Uh, Only one turnover, one near the goal line. Might not even be able to pin it on him. It was a sloppy handoff between him and the, the running back, but why they're handing it off there that late, doing a read option, that's beyond me. But, hey, they still won. Not going to hold it against them. Houston is number five in our poll. They go from 11 to five after defeating the number two Oklahoma Sooners. Number six, did anybody have more fun in the offseason than Jim Harbaugh? I mean, this guy was everywhere. 63 to three over Hawaii. Woo, old-fashioned whooping. Michigan, 
goes from number 10 to number 6 on our poll. Number 7, the Stanford Cardinal. Not the most impressive of wins. Uh, Stanford kind of eking one out there over Kansas State. They were actually outgained. There were a lot of actually statistical categories where Stanford was not at the top of the sheet. But Christian McCaffrey gets it done. Two rushing touchdowns. Uh, I think he got like 70 yards through the air as well. So, of course, you know, he's the all-purpose back. He's going to get a lot of Heisman attention. He is playing with a new quarterback. Kevin Hogan has moved on. Four-year uh, starter at Stanford. They, they now have a new quarterback. So there might be a little bit of an adjustment period there. But, again, the Pac-12, not a great weekend for them. Maybe things will be a little bit easier for Stanford this year. They have won three of the last four Pac-12 crowns. Number eight, the Wisconsin Badgers. They essentially played a home game in Lambeau Field. Nobody did the Lambeau Leap, not that I saw. 16-14 over the then number seven ranked LSU Tigers. They hold Leonard Fournette in check most of the day. He does get over 100 yards, but Corey Clement really running with a chip on his shoulder and had uh, maybe some better decisions and a better play out of the quarterback. Bart Houston, he's still young, still learning. There's some good things to be said there. But the Wisconsin defense performed well. Houston, except for a couple of big mistakes, you know, didn't really look too rattled. Uh, but they eke out a 16-14 win, so good for Wisconsin. They moved from number 17 to number 8 after week one. Louisville, the Louisville Cardinals now, boy, this is a team that I got a little bit of flack. I got to say, you guys were emailing me going, 13? What the hell are you smoking? Uh, that's, I probably quoted about four emails right there. 70-14 uh, to 14 over Charlotte. Uh, yes, it is Charlotte, I understand. But Lamar Jackson, remember that name. As I've mentioned, maybe an ACC quarterback winning the Heisman, not named Deshaun Watson, is a possibility. Uh, threw for six touchdowns, ran for two more, 119 yards on the ground, close to 300 in the air. Uh, it was just a dominating performance. It's a team that's pretty balanced. you got to remember just how good that defense was at the end of last season. Devontae Fields really regaining that form he had back when he was the Big 12 Player of the Year as a freshman, as a freshman at TCU. So Louisville, number nine, going from 13 to nine in the initial poll. Ole Miss, we talked about them. They suffered that debilitating second half, losing to Florida State, but that's still a quality team. They're in the SEC. They're going to win some big games. They're 0-1. They're the top team in our poll with a loss. But the next two teams suffered losses. Oklahoma, we talked about them. They dropped from 2 to 11. LSU goes from 7 to 12. Yeah, they only lost by two points. They kept it close, but, boy, Brandon Harris, they've got to do something about that quarterbacking situation. This was supposed to be the big coming-out party for LSU. Yeah, we're going to have some balance. Yeah, Leonard Fournette's going to see more running lanes. we got receivers like Travon Doral, who that's a NFL probably second-round quality receiver. They're just not getting it done. LSU has just got to find a way to have someone other than Leonard Fournette uh, really kind of tote the ball for that offense to really get things done, or they're really going to hamstring themselves when it comes down to some close contests. We're going to see more and more teams stacking the box, and running's going to become very, very hard for Fournette, as good as he is. We saw at the end of last year. Now, Louisville went from 13 to 9. Tennessee goes from 9 to 13. They drop, even though they won, but it was a squeaker. If you read the Fierce 40 write-ups, I said and said and said over and over again, Appalachian State, 11 and 2 last year. They've done a great job since moving from the FCS to the FBS level. We see them crank out a prospect or two a year. This is a very underrated kind of program, very reminiscent of Marshall when Marshall kind of made the jump 
Marshall was very competitive. It's been in some polls. I, I think even better. There's, there's better athletes going to Appalachian State. And the better team did not win this game. They really shot themselves in the foot. Now, they kind of showed in the second half that they don't have the athletes that Tennessee does. They still have some very good players. Marcus Cox is going to be a running back you hear a lot about, a senior who will probably go in the mid-rounds of this draft. Uh, Taylor Lamb, efficient quarterback, not going to be quarterbacking any NFL teams uh, soon. But that defense was 11 overall last year, and, you know, they held Tennessee to 13 points going into uh, overtime. Tennessee scores after they fumble the ball in the end zone. If you saw Josh Dobbs, oh, I don't know how he's not picking the helmet out of his sternum. He got absolutely rocked on that play. Uh, Jalen Hurd, their running back, alertly comes from out of nowhere to actually fall on the ball, gets him the touchdown, they win the game. Appalachian State, poor clock management. I think Andy Reid was on the sideline near the end of that game. Missed an extra point, missed a field goal late. Field goal, and it was like 42 yards. Not a gimme, but, you know, missed extra points. They just always seem to come back and haunt you. And that's what happened at Appalachian State. Their team, we have not heard the last of the Mountaineers. I would guarantee you that. And I believe they will be ranked at some point this season, if not finishing the year ranked. It's a good quality football team. But Tennessee, like I said, all good teams get scared. Now it's up to Tennessee. Are they a good team or are they a great team? They've had their scare. They dropped from 9 to 13, but they're 1-0. Georgia's also 1-0 in the SEC. They were down 24-14 to those Tar Heels, and they turned it around 19 unanswered. Is Nick Chubb back? Is Nick Chubb back from that devastating knee injury? Nick Chubb said, how about two touchdowns and 222 yards? You tell me if I'm back. Guess what? He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Kirby Smart, first. First game of the head coach. You know, he's been at Alabama for all those years. Looking good with those dogs. Dogs are up from 31 to 14 in our poll. Biggest movers for teams that started in the Fierce 40 and moved up. Oregon, they're number 15. They drop a notch. Yes, they put up, they put up 53 points, but they kind of struggle a little bit. They still look like they're kind of off a cylinder. Uh, their transfer quarterback, pretty, pretty good. Royce Freeman, eh, under 100 yards with two touchdowns. Gets it done. What we really got to see is uh, Brady Hope, what's he going to do with that defense? Are they going to be as good as advertised? Right now, I'd say the jury's still out. But, again, this is a week pack 12. So even if Oregon's just a little bit under what we're used to seeing out of the Ducks, they could still be making noise because, guys, we're talking about the, the SEC and how they maybe didn't play up to their potential in week one. That was worse for the Pac-12. Ooh, brutal week. Bad week for the Pac-12. Number 16, Iowa, another team. They win. It's Miami of Ohio. I mean, they jumped out early, 21-0, and kind of put it on cruise control. Baylor, again, it's Baylor. Non-conference schedule. You know, they, I think they were playing, uh, you know, some school of the blind. They normally do. They, they schedule cupcakes early in the season. They get a win against Northwestern State. But even though it was that type of competition, normally you're still going to give up some yards. You're going to give up some, some big plays. Under 100 yards of total offense for uh, Northwestern State. Baylor, the star of that, what was the defense? The defense did look good. Again, we got to see them against better caliber competition, but you can't fault them. They played as hard as they had to with what they had to work with on Saturday, and they definitely got it done. Washington, the Huskies at number 18. This might be the team. Again, we've been talking about this Pac-12, and that was me uh, doing an Archie Bunker. They kind of – Week one, but uh, Rutgers really had nothing for the Huskies. The Huskies 
might be the most balanced, might have the most balance of any team not named Stanford in the Pac-12. So maybe, maybe the other Husky, Chris Peterson, is really getting things done. We like them at number 18. They move up from number 30. The Miami Hurricanes. Again, another cupcake. Florida A&M. We, this game was really in doubt. Brad Kaya, is he going to be as good as advertised? The junior quarterback put up some good numbers, but it was the running game. I don't care if you're playing Florida A&M. Not one. Not two. Count three. Three running backs over the century mark. That's impressive, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care who you're playing. Even the school of the blind. That would have been, that would have been some good stuff. Miami opening at number 19. Number 20, Michigan State. Ooh, boy, did they have a tough time with Furman. Again, another team replacing one of these long-standing quarterbacks. Connor Cook, three-and-a-half-year starter at Michigan State. And they have the, the new quarterback there. Made a couple of good plays, but really didn't wow anybody. They're at number 20. Boise State, number 21. I like Boise State. Brett Rippon, that is the sophomore quarterback that I think not enough people talk about. Luke Falk, you know, they're Washington State. They're one of the youngsters that gets a lot of uh, notoriety. But, boy, Brett Rippon, he's not your typical Boise State quarterback. I'm not saying this guy's going to be a first-round pick. I don't agree to that, guys. I'm not, I'm not saying this is a guy like Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. We're not talking he's going to be top of the draft. But how often do we see Boise State quarterbacks get drafted? Um, yeah, while you're racking your brain trying to think of one, let me help you out. None. Doesn't happen. This kid is going to be different. I think this is a guy with an NFL future. Again, not huge. Not a huge guy by any standards. But he does have an NFL arm. Uh, I think he's a guy that is serviceable and could uh, see life as an NFL backup. Somewhere in like, you know, round five, round six. He's definitely a guy that uh, is not going to be a, oh, Boise State, he's done. Hope he some good classes. Hope he goes to Canada. Oh, this guy, this guy's got a future, not to mention that last name, Rippin. Ring a bell, anybody? Yeah, how about Uncle Mark, former NFL MVP, quarterback for the Redskins, the, the, one of the most incredible seasons a quarterback ever had. Again, the Redskins winning three Super Bowls with three different starting quarterbacks. Rippin, the last of those. So there's some good lineage there as well. They move from 23 to 21. Number 22, our highest debut. Ooh, things are bigger in Texas. Woo, the Texas meltdown. Texas was putting an old-fashioned whooping on uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame kind of made it close, put it back. But Texas survives in two overtimes, 50 to 47. A barn burner. Again, it's Notre Dame. Doesn't matter if they're 5-0 and or 0-5. They're, they're going to have a large contingent. It's going to be... A lot of people watching that game, just like Texas, even though Texas has struggled. We've heard people calling for the head of Charlie Strong. After two years, people calling for him to get fired last year. That's a little bit ridiculous, people. A little bit ridiculous. We put you in check. DJ's putting you on notice, Texas fans. Hook them horns. You did in week one. And uh, some, some steady quarterback play there, not turning the ball over. Last year, just a bunch of untimely penalties. But Charlie Strong really did a good job of kind of getting the riffraff out of there, really kind of establishing this and putting his mark on the team. So this was the big year to me. Year three, that's the big test. Well, i tell you what, if this was the litmus test, Texas has got an A-plus right now. A win against Notre Dame to open the season doesn't get much better than that. Their counterparts in the state of Texas, A&M, that is, the Aggies, they get a mild upset. They defeat UCLA. 
again, another coach where people are calling for his head, Kevin Sumlin. What? Two, three years ago, this guy was the darling. He's going to the NFL. It wasn't – everyone thought Kevin Sumlin's not going to be at Texas A&M, but it wasn't going to be because he was fired because he was the next hottest coaching candidate. He's going to some NFL club. Now people are just talking like he's complete garbage. Well, take that, people. You've got Miles Garrett, who, you know, he's our number one prospect. Again, junior has to declare. Don't hang on our words, Miles. But uh, he starts the year with three tackles, one and a half for loss, a sack, following up his 11 and a half sacks as a freshman, SEC record, 11 last year. He's well on his way to possibly being the <laughs> number one overall pick. Just clearing my throat there again. You can't. We can't encourage you to go pro, Miles. But uh, he's the real deal. Anyway, Florida. Florida, they kind of rebound last year. Uh, even though they, they falter and lose the last three down the stretch, it was a very successful freshman campaign for Coach McElwain. They get 10 wins. They start the year at number 25. You know, they, they beat Mass. They beat UMass 24-7. to That was a 10-7 game going into the fourth quarter. That's against Massachusetts. Yeah, that's, Massachusetts is a better chance of beating Florida in basketball. Not football. Really? Really, Minutemen? No. You get a prospect for two a year. That's about it. You should not be playing with the likes of Florida. I'm calling shenanigans on that one. Florida does win, but maybe they're not quite as good as we thought. Again, SEC a little stumbled a little bit out of the gate. Utah, number 25, not a big, big test. They played Southern Utah. Yeah, they shut them out 24 nothing. But this is, a, this is a Utah team. A lot of people do not give them the credit they deserve. We're turning out some NFL prospects. They lose Travis Wilson. They lose Devontae Booker, who went in the last year as possibly the best senior running back at the NCAA level. They're losing some people on defense, and they've got some defensive prospects this year. And it shows because they shut out Southern Utah. Again, FCS school. Actually, not even FCS school. It's Division II school but a very good one. Southern Oregon, they've had three players drafted in the last two years. Not cupcakes. Again, don't expect Southern Oregon to beat you, or uh, Southern Utah. Southern Utah, probably said Oregon a couple times. Jared may choose to edit that out. But I know what I'm talking about here. It's Southern Utah, not a cupcake. And uh, Utah gets it done. TCU at number 26. They're kind of the Cinderella team. That's, that's where they started, and they stay at number 26. Yeah, they put up 59 points, but they gave up 41 to South Dakota State. Much like Southern Utah, not a cupcake. And they showed it against TCU. TCU, oh, they lost. They lose Floyd Bacon. They only have three starters coming back on offense. Josh Doxson, he's with the Redskins. He's in the NFL. A lot of turnover. But this was supposed to be the year that Gary Patterson and that defense rise to the occasion. They had so many starters there, some, some people that are coming back, some people that may not have started this year but saw a lot of time, either because of injury or just because they were kind of worked into some games. There's some good recruiting that's going on the last few years at TCU. Didn't show. A lot of big plays. Oh, there seems to be some, some holes in the defense, and I think uh, the coaching staff kind of fun in the film room. Not a good week to be a TCU player when you give up 41 to South Dakota State. North Carolina, Matar Heels at number 27. They started at 16. Yeah, they were the big surprise last year. They played with Clemson. They were good. Hey, remember this. They lost their opener last year. Lost their opener last year, and then I think reeled off 11 in a row. 
Last year it was throwing an interception in the end zone on the last play right by the end of the game in regulation with South Carolina. This one, they had the lead. 24-14 with Georgia. Now, new quarterback, they were playing very conservative. I was very surprised at how conservative the Carolina offense was. But they were hitting some big plays, big return, something we've seen a lot. And they, that's a lot of running backs. Boy, there, there's a stable of running backs there at that UNC. But that defense made strides last year. Who They did not look good. Now, we know Nick Chubb is a world-class running back, but 222, he seemed to run at will. Facing a freshman quarterback looked like a very winnable game, and it was midway through the third. But Georgia scores the last 19. Carolina falls 33-24, and they fall 16-27 in the poll. Oklahoma State, they stay at number 28. My big point there, 14 different receivers catching a ball again. Another very unsung young quarterback. I like Mason Rudolph a lot. That's a, uh, that's a very good quarterback. And I think Oklahoma State, now they've got some deficiencies on defense. They're, they're minus a few playmakers. Offensive line's a little bit uh, a little bit inconsistent. There's been some injury problems there, but not a quarterback. they got a guy that can get it done. Notre Dame, with that loss, they dropped from 12 to 29. Boy, Notre Dame, 144 yards. Six touchdowns. They don't turn the ball over. And they lose the game. Wow. You would have given Notre Dame that line before the start of the game. They'd have taken it. They take it 10 out of 10 times. Because they think the defense is going to rise against a struggling Longhorn team. They don't get it done. Curious comeback, though. Appalachian State, we talked about them. They lost to Tennessee, but we still bump them up from 32 to 30. Because, again, they were probably the better team. Again, a little conservative. The fact that they're not in the Tennessee Talent pool level at the end of the game, it showed. It showed. But they made some mistakes where they still should have won that game. They missed extra points. They missed field goal. The terrible clock management. Uh, if they get that, they, they cause a fumble by the goal line in overtime, and Jalen Hurd makes an absolutely incredible athletic play. That might be the play that I think really got overlooked this weekend. Everyone made such a big deal about Tennessee and the close call they had. They had struggled going in there, and by all intents and purposes, there's like three Appalachian State guys there ready to scoop that ball. Jalen Hurd comes out of nowhere. Jalen Hurd may have single-handedly saved the Tennessee Volunteer season in week one with a fumble recovery in the end zone. Mark it down now. The Tennessee goes on, wins the SEC. They become a factor in the SEC race. You go back, you look at this play in week one where he recovers this fumble. I'm telling you right now, it could go down as just one of those plays. It just gets overlooked. People know it was a good play, but they don't know just how big it is until things kind of shake out by the end of the year. It's going to turn out to be, as Donald Trump would say, huge. It's huge. 31 BYU. Last year, you know, they get that last second win on the Hail Mary. This time it's a field goal against Arizona. Arizona's coming up in our poll, by the way. They move from 33 to 30. Coaching staff. Same result, dramatic win at the end, but good to see Taysom Hill under center. Hopefully he finishes the year healthy. Sick of seeing the highlight reel of Taysom Hill and season-ending injuries. Seems like he's been there for 45 years, but uh, this should be his last year. Uh, And again, they move from 33 to 31. Uh, Auburn, we talked about them. They lost to Clemson, but they moved from 39 to 32 because, boy, they had the number one team. 
really he likes it a long time. So we, we like the Tigers, one of the bright spots for the SEC, and a loss. And a loss, and they were one of the bright spots. USC, bright spot. Ooh, that was like a grease spot. 52-6, to six, losing Alabama. They go from 18-33, to 33, and there's a lot of already rumblings of discourse within the USC locker room. Boy, someone's got to just turn that program around. Seems to be, with the talent level at USC, how are they not like Alabama? How are they not like Ohio State? How are they not like Oklahoma? Clemson, at the top of these rankings week in and week out. This should not be a team losing four to five games. They should be battling Stanford for the Pac-12 crown each and every year. And they're finding a way to F it up. Yeah, someone's brought to you by the letter F, as Mr. would say. Um, USC, get it together. Your crosstown rival, UCLA, they dropped a close one in overtime. Josh Rosen could be the best quarterback at this level. He's pro-ready. He, he looks the part. Three interceptions. Got to stop. Josh, you got a full year under your belt. You can't throw interceptions. Not against Texas A&M. Team should have won, buddy. UCLA, kind of lackluster again. Pac-12, <clears throat> laying a little bit of an egg. Speaking of laying eggs, Pac-12, Arizona. Maybe the most atrocious defense last season. They hold BYU to 18 points. Defense looked a little better. Offense, eh. The new Solomon, two interceptions. Big turnovers. Turnovers really, really hurt the Pac-12 collectively as a conference. And we're not even talking about the team that dropped out. Washington State losing to Eastern Washington. Yeah, you heard that right. Eastern Washington. They've done it again. Cooper Cup. Wow. That was amazing. 36. Your second of your three debut team. How about Western Michigan? Who saw this coming? I thought they'd put up a match. I thought Western Michigan was going to be a player this year. Corey Davis. Get down now. He's probably going to be a first-round pick wide receiver. Not that any big wide receivers have ever come from Western Michigan. Greg Jennings. From that conference, Central and Antonio Brown. It can happen, people. Corey Davis, when all is said and done, might be the best senior wide receiver at the NCAA level. They win a 22-21 squeaker over the number 29-ranked Northwestern Wildcats, now one of the three teams that have dropped out. But you always talk about that team crashing the party. Someone not from a big conference, the Boise States. Houston last year, they were, they were there. Memphis, even a little bit early, they were, you know, they were, they had that win against Ole Miss, and they were kind of chugging along there, Paxton Lynch. Could it be Western Michigan this year? Think about this. This was their toughest game on their schedule. 22-21 win over Northwestern. I'm looking at their schedule. I believe it's week three or week four. It's not in front of me right now. They have a road game against Illinois. Big Ten team, just like Northwestern. Good team, not a great team. Can Western Michigan handle them? Oh, you bet. It's not a shoe-in. But if Western Michigan wins that game, maybe this is the team that goes undefeated. It's possible, guys. I'm calling it now in week one. Matt Gutierrez is not on our call right now, but he's called this as well. Zach made a big mention. He even gave me props for having Corey Davis right now in the second round in our latest mock draft. He gave me ups for that. Looking out for you, Zach. Zach's a good guy. Zach knows what's going on because when they pulled this game out, I didn't think they were going to pull this game out. I thought they were going to show well, 
And it's going to be one of those where people would remember in the back of their mind at the end of the year when they started racking up wins. Oh, yeah, they played Northwestern pretty tough. Well, they did more than tough. They beat them. It's a one-point victory, but guess what? It's a victory. What Zach kind of laid out and prognosticated could be coming true, people. And I'm here to second the notion that Zach laid out before me. Can I get a witness? Oh, Zach just got one. DJ Boyer is his witness. Western Michigan could be your team crashing a party. I don't think they're going to have enough stamina or enough enough steam to get into the top 40 in their BCS playoff, getting that college football playoff. But if they go undefeated, are they going to get a BCS bowl bid? Mm. Uh, you betcha. I think right now Vegas, that's, that might be better than uh, – that's probably about a 40% bet right now. Look out. We're the Broncos of Western Michigan. Number 37, Nebraska. How do they get a win over Fresno State? It's kind of ho-hum. But it was the debut of Mike Riley. And people from Nebraska, maybe it's more than ho-hum. I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, Nebraska. I'm going to cut off the hate mail before it comes. Sorry, Nebraska. Because as I pointed out, this is a team ever since the days of Bill Callahan. They tried to hip it up. They tried to throw the football around and install the West Coast offense. Do remember these Nebraska teams in the 70s and 80s? Quarterbacks would throw like five passes, five passes a week. Keith Jackson, tight end, ends up being like a first-round pick for the Eagles. He catch like a pass a game. We're kind of like, well, he did that at Oklahoma, but, uh, you know, could basically essentially ran the same offense. Boy, I'm just seeing the moment there. That's what happens when you're unscripted and unfiltered and just going off the cuff as DJ normally does. I'll tell you what, Nebraska, 51 running plays, 13 passes week one. And Fresno State, this is a team that fizzles the big boys. They've had their troubles the last few years, but they're no strangers to adversity. They've gone into some big houses. They've, they've won some games. This was not a, not a cupcake. Again, as tough as they're going to face in the Big Ten. But it was a Northwestern State. Uh, this was a... If that is the blueprint for the offense that we're going to see, Nebraska, we're happy. Look, you guys bitch a lot. Got to be happy for a week. 38, Minnesota. They win 30-23 to 23 over Oregon State, but, ooh, 13 points to do so. Mitch Leidner, this guy's supposed to be an NFL-ready quarterback. He's got the tools, and he had to do it with his life. Did not look good during that football. And, yes, Minnesota does not have the greatest of wideouts, but, again, what I've seen, and I've looked at this game, uh, Mitch, really, Mitch really wasn't feeling it. Mitch has got to do a little bit better, tighten things up. Can't throw 50% against a doormat of the Pac-12. Sorry, Mitch. Got to raise your game, buddy. Marshall, number 39. Marshall didn't lose. They also didn't win. They were the only team in our first 40 that had the week off. They're idle. They have not seen the thundering herd yet. They go from 38 to 39 which brings our third and final new entrant at number 40, the Colorado Buffaloes. Oh, my goodness, the Pac-12 here because 44-7 to over Colorado State laid the wood to them. This series used to be a routine win for Colorado. Colorado State got pretty good by the uh, mid to late 90s. Colorado going in the opposite direction. It's been – she's been on the other foot. Colorado State's been doing more uh, wood laying in Colorado. This was the biggest win, I believe, over Colorado State in about 30 years. They really got it done. 
balanced game. No real area where Colorado really, really stood out. Just played a solid, mistake-free game. Good for the Buffaloes. They need it. And um, we're so impressed. We put them at number 40. Why not? So before we sign off, we're going to give you how our Heisman Trophy hopefuls stand in week one. Number 10. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work backwards. Because I'm going to give you a draft prospect to look for. And if you read the blog today, this was a point on the blog. Jerome Lane, wide receiver, University of Akron. Not Jerome Lane, power forward from the Pitt Panthers, who then went on to the NBA and the Knicks and was a rebounding monster. Not that Jerome Lane. He's got size, just like Lane did. Wide receiver posting 10 catches, 196 yards, two touchdowns for the Akron Zips, who put nearly 50 on the board and won their first game. Why is it so impressive? It's his first game as a wide receiver. He's a junior. He's a guy that kind of moved around, had him as a safety, you know, let's put him at linebacker. He's an athlete. Where's he go? 6'3", 220. I'll tell you what, with that kind of size, if he gets posted these kind of numbers, he's a junior, look out. We may, find, we may have found one of our breakout stars, Jerome Lane. Pressed us so much, we put a number 10 on our Heisman watch. We really got it done. Probably the best wide receiving performance, other than Cooper Cup, again, Eastern Washington, I'm going out right now, your top. Possibly. It's real early. You get guys from these small schools. That, you know, it's hard to watch all these guys. That'll, that'll pop up later. But last year, I had Cooper Cup, wide receiver, Eastern Washington. That's a possible entrant in the draft. Oh, another one I got email on. Eastern Washington. What the hell are you thinking, Boyer? Hmm. Beat Washington State. 12 catches, I believe, two, three touchdowns. Cooper Cup, another guy with size. Not the biggest speed guy. Might be more of a possession guy at the NFL level, but boy, he's big. He could be your top player drafted outside of the FBS level this season. Mark it down now. Could be, again, small school. We don't know what we got yet. Got to shake out. I mean, I'm not going to toot my own horn all the time. I do a pretty good job at giving you the small school guys to look for in the draft and shaking out. My record speaks for itself on that one. I'm pretty good there, people. I'll tell you when I make mistakes. I'm plenty of them. When it comes to finding those small school players and work I've done with the NFL, that's where most of it's been. I do a very good job at evaluating talents at small schools. Cooper Cup, he's got it. He's got it. Could be your top one. Outside the FBS level, we'll call it now. What's wrong lane number 10? Number 9, Miles Garrett. Defensive end, Texas A&M. We already talked. Three tackles. One and a half for loss with a sack. He's the best defensive lineman. He's the best prospect you see in this draft. Again, not that we're saying go pro, uh, Miles, but you're probably the top pick. Yeah, but again, we can't say that. <clears throat> it's clear in my throat. Like that. Number 9. And our highest defensive player, number 8, we talked about that machine in Alabama, Jonathan Allen, his four tackles, his two sacks. Will he get 30 sacks? I don't think so, but like, he's a beast. And he's a guy you can move all over the line. He can play inside. He can play outside. It's going to cause all kinds of people or all kinds of fit at the NFL level. I was very surprised he did not go pro. He was a first-round player. NFL teams love that type of diversity and that versatility. Guy that you can move inside, outside. Even though he's on the field, 
might not line up where you think he's going to. Anyway, number eight. Number seven, Deshaun Watson. Okay, he drops. He's going to be a perennial favorite. We know that. Yeah, we got him at number seven. Calm down, everybody. Get your panties out of a wad. We know it's Deshaun Watson. Calm down. It's Clemson. Okay. Not the greatest game, guys. He made it happen. Good player, but we're not going to keep him at the top of the list just because Clemson wins in week one. He's number seven. Number six, DeAndre Francois. Boy, this sounds like he should be doing Zaro or something with an epi. But, uh, boy, his second half, he threw for over 400 yards. He ran for about 60, and it wasn't the rushing total. It was the ease at which he got away from the rush. There were a couple plays where Ole Miss really looked like they had him bottled up. Guy's about to make a tackle, and he just turned on the Jets. I don't think Francois is just an all-out fast, fast player. It's kind of like Deshaun Jackson. You know, liking the Eagles and hearing so much about Deshaun, oh, he's the fastest player in the NFL. Deshaun Jackson is by far not the fastest player in the NFL. I can tell you 10 players off the top of my head faster than Deshaun Jackson. What makes Deshaun Jackson and has made him so special in the past is the rate at which he accelerates. You watch Deshaun Jackson on tape, two steps, he's full feet. He's by that corner. People can kind of catch him or kind of keep up. He's still going out with some people because he's fast. But it's not because he's just going to run by you. It's because he gets to speed so quickly. That's what I saw from DeAndre Francois. And not a guy who's blazing down the field. He's fast. Don't get me wrong. He's fast. But I've seen faster. But, boy, did he turn the Jets on just like that. Tremendous first step. And I think that rate of acceleration, getting out of trouble, ooh, far state. Maybe they have something there because we know that's a machine. Last 10 years, which college has produced the most players being drafted in the NFL? Yes, of course, they've done it. And with Janus Winston on the sideline, remember when he debuted his freshman campaign? He got to see it on the other foot. He got to see another guy come in freshman year and just light it up. Passing of the torch there. Boy, like Francois a lot. Then very, very early. We don't know what we have here, but that rate of acceleration – that was impressive. That was impressive. Lamar Jackson, number five. Quarterback, Louisville. We talked about the numbers he put up. Yeah, it's Charlotte, but, you know, he was a dark horse coming in. A lot of people talking about him. He took his lumps early last year. Louisville struggled out of the gate. I believe they started 0-3. You know, they wound up in a bowl game and winning and kind of playing pretty, pretty good football down the stretch, especially with that improved defense. He didn't have to make all the plays. He's very comfortable now. Probably of all the players going from their freshman to sophomore years, he might have seen the greatest leap at the quarterback position. Probably not an NFL prospect with the way he throws. He's not horrible. He can definitely run the football. It's all about decision-making. Make good decisions. It's a good team, Louisville. Number four, Christian McCaffrey. They didn't have a great, great game. I think, again, Kansas State, it was, it was a tough game. Kansas State plays a lot like Stanford. It was kind of a boring game. It was like two teams, it was like a scrimmage, two teams that are so polite just playing each other. But, you know, Stanford gets a, they find a way to get it done. He gets in the end zone twice. As many yards as he had, he really didn't have a lot of touchdowns last year. He didn't. 
But um, McCaffrey gets the end zone twice. Still very admirable, all the work he does. J.T. Barrett, number three. Again, throws that early pick six. Oh, look out, Ohio. Bowling Green's up 7 nothing. Now they got outscored 77-3 to the rest of the way. Seven touchdowns out of Barrett, six through the air, one on the ground. You can tell the swagger's there. Think about the last few years. We've had Braxton Miller. We had the Cardinal Jones leading into the title when Miller and Barrett were down. Last year, the uncertainty end of the year. They kept saying all the right things. It didn't affect us. It did. Definitely did. But you had Ezekiel Elliott. You had great playmakers on defense. You had 12 players drafted. Supreme talent. But that uncertainty at the quarterback position. You get into a tight game. Who's it going to be? That question always seemed to linger. GT just looks like a different person. He's carrying himself. He's got a little bit of that swagger. I like GT Barrett. Good kid. He's not cocky by any means, but you can tell he's kind of raising his game to that next level. He knows he's the man. He's unchallenged at this point. And I'm seeing some leadership. Definitely did not hang his head. He just went out there, went, went to work after he made that mistake. Go ahead, Bowling Green pay. That, that, that might have been the best thing that could have happened to J.T. Barrett, was throwing that early pick six. Could have been the best thing that happened to the Buckeyes. They erased any doubts anybody had after that. Number two, Nick Chubb. Big ups for 222 yards, two touchdowns, coming back from that gruesome injury they suffered last year. And again, this is against the North Carolina Tar Heel team that you know, ranked coming in. This wasn't a cupcake. He's not putting up 200 yards against uh, – you know, Missouri Valley State is North Carolina. Not the greatest defense, but a good team, ACC. If there's any conference that people said could contend with the SEC this year, it's the ACC. They lose with Florida State, Clemson, Louisville. It's a good conference. This could be the best. Miami's on the, on the rebound. This could be the best year for ACC football in a long, long time. Dare I say ever? It's possible, at least in the last 30 years. ACC is no joke this year. No joke. Number one, I'm being silent there. I'm hoping that Jared kind of puts a dramatic drum roll in there for purposes. But Greg Ward, junior, University of Houston. Houston, number one, really? Well, Andre Ware, 1989. It can happen. Is that 88? No, 88 was Barry Sanders. 89. Again, don't have any staff in front of me. Let's think about that for a second. The guy that did it on the ground last year, I believe it was 21 rushing touchdowns, 1,100 yards. He threw, he threw, but it was the threat of him running the ball. That's why he's a third or fourth round prospect as a running back at the next level. He's Keenan Reynolds from maybe last year, but better, a better runner. Reynolds may be a better leader, decision-maker, better athlete, it's Ward. Better thrower, it's Ward. He ran for one yard against Oklahoma. Oklahoma did everything they should have done. They schemed for Ward. They said, beat us through the air, buddy. Ward said, hmm, 329 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. How'd that taste? And we leave Bob Stoops with another bigger else. Now, he's a little bit banged up. He's got some shoulder issues. We're a little bit banged up. He's a smaller guy. Now, I think they play Lamar this week. It's a, it's a, it's a cupcake. So maybe Ward sits as a precaution. 
not like playing UConn last year. They lost and took themselves out of the big bowl hunt. But he could be number one for a week. I don't think he's going to finish number one. But Greg Ward, with that win over Oklahoma, he may have already punched the ticket to New York. Yeah, not saying he's going to win. But is he in New York? Is he a finalist? Is he one of the big three? Very, very possible if things go as we expect them to. Play in that conference a little better than people give it credit for, but it's not the ACC. It's not the SEC. It's not the Big 12 or the Big 10, even the Pac. But this was probably their toughest game. Again, much like I said about Western Michigan. Houston, yeah, they'll show well. And then people remember they go on a winning streak. Well, yeah, Houston won with 10. And guess what? Last two wins for Houston. Remember, they won their bowl game. That's Florida State last year. Their last two wins, Florida State, Oklahoma. Find me a team in this year's 40 that can say their last two football victories were against schools that big. I'm waiting for answer, waiting for response. I find one. Yeah, they're Houston. Yeah, Greg Ward is good, but you know what really made me put them at number five, put them ahead of Michigan, which they're number six in the eight people, which came out after ours again. Michigan was five. That was our first discrepancy with this two teams flip flop. The defense. I'm forgetting the guy's last name. Ed, well, something. I, I got to look. Defensive lineman, blue chip recruit. He was all over the field. The Houston speed, that looked like a game. Houston looked like they were a gear faster than Oklahoma on virtually every play. The speed on defense was evident. Not dominating, not suffocating, but, boy, they were there. Somebody missed the top. Someone was there to back them up. They kept their lanes. They showed discipline. That's a good, undersized, fast defense. And I was more impressed with the defense than I was with Greg Ward. And Greg Ward's number one in our Heisman week one. What does that tell you? Before it was Houston, yeah, maybe maybe they get a BCS berth. But that went over Oklahoma, where they stand now, five in our pool, six in the AP. If they don't run the table, you don't think they've got the resume to go into the college football playoffs among the four teams? When all we heard about this year was which comp, this is going to be a year where a conference gets two in. Maybe we see two FCC teams. Maybe we see two ACC teams. Guess what? We might see an AAC team. Houston's got the resume. As long as Houston doesn't muck it up, two teams in front of them are going to fall? Oh, most assuredly. Absolutely. Houston's got a shot at number one. Top four, they could be a number one team. And if you think that sounds absurd, watch that game again. And again, let me remind you, the last two wins, Oklahoma, Florida State. And they're not just getting it done with gimmicky off the plays. Yeah, they do a lot of wide receiver runs, quick bubble screens, a lot of read options. I'll tell you what, that defense is no joke. There's better defenses out there. But I challenge you to find me one that's faster. There might be a couple. They're top five. 
Houston can get from sideline to sideline with any team at the FBS level, and that's going to be the difference. That is what's going to set them apart this year, and that's what could possibly make them not only a BCS bowl contender, they could be the college football playoff, ladies and gentlemen. So I don't want to hear any more talk about which conference is going to send two teams to the playoff. I think Houston uh, is wrecking everybody's dreams right now. Again, last two wins, Oklahoma, Florida State. Heisman Trophy, legitimate candidate, Greg Ward Jr. Fast defense. First-round pick last year. They lost their, uh, they lost William Jackson. Still replace him. Secondary still looks good. Still people making plays. And a pretty good offensive line. Not a bad offensive line at all. This is a good squad. And number five on our poll, number one, Greg Ward Jr. Again, want to thank you for listening in. There'll be many more podcasts. We're going to do a recap of the NFL, but I've, I've talked too long. We'll get to your email questions later. Guys, we'll get to them. No worries. I'll answer you. Keep reading the blog. Keep coming back. We're going to update it. I believe we're going to be on 3 or 4.0. Probably be – we already have three rounds in our mock. It's got three rounds. It's legitimate. You're not going to do it, people. This is what we do. DJ Boyer, I love every one of y'all. The air smells so much sweeter. Football is back. Peace out. <laughs>